Well, friends, we have reached the end of our sermon series. We have spent this summer exploring the parables of Jesus. And today is a special day. We get to explore the earth, space, time, galaxies, while also being scientists who dig up dirt and talk about electricity. Yes, today is exciting because we get to talk about salt and light. Now, I don't claim to know all there is about salt and light scientifically, and I may have only barely passed my biology and chemistry courses in college, but we will explore why Jesus would talk about our kingdom work as salt and as light. Let us turn now to today's text from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Hear now the word of God. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, friends, it is true. My first semester of college, I passed chemistry and biology by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. So much for my med school dreams. But I do have a natural inclination towards learning and science, and I will admit that in studying today's text, I found myself down many rabbit holes and black holes about where salt and light comes from. The chemical compound of salt and the speed at which light travels, how both are naturally occurring stuff of the earth and man-made. Both are evident everywhere, and everywhere we look, although we probably don't give much thought to it in our daily lives, they, th- they seem to just exist in the background. But they are vitally important, and we depend on them to live our lives. So it makes sense that Jesus would use these words, these entities and metaphors, as he spoke to the disciples about their life and their witness to God in a hurting world. We've seen over the past several weeks that in parables, Jesus used everyday situations, occasions, and experiences to describe the kingdom of God. So it was both simple and thought-provoking salt and light, simple and thought-provoking. In the rabbinic tradition, they used hyperbole as a way to get the point of cross. They exaggerated to over-communicate a thought, idea, or value, and this didn't devalue the meaning or point of the story as we may assume today, but rather it indicated where people should pay close attention. Jesus was saying, listen up, and if you're not paying attention, pay attention now. 
the Gospel of Matthew focuses on moral earnestness and teaches discipleship. What was to be required of the disciples as they lived their lives in daily obedience to God? The things that Jesus was teaching and admonishing was setting them up for the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and ultimately Jesus' fulfillment in our participation in the kingdom work. Now, our modern ears may interpret today's text a little differently because, yes, we still use salt, but maybe more so in the scent of flavoring or for health reasons, trying not to consume too much. And most of us probably don't light an oil lamp and place it on, an, uh, on a stand so that light is projected into a greater amount of space. We simply flip on a switch or turn a knob. But both of these are prominent in our daily lives, and if we are really to pause and think about what they mean for us today, as the church, as disciples, as those gathered by and around Jesus, we may see a glimpse of the kingdom of God in our place in it in the midst of a still hurting world. Salt is vital for everyday living, and we are actually made up of it. It is needed in order for us to survive. It's a necessity. Yes, it adds flavor and preserves things in order to sustain them. I read an article that featured this text as a way to rebuild and sustain community. It reads, the Christian's task is to be the salt of society, preserving, reconciling, adding taste, giving meaning where there is no meaning, giving hope where there is no hope. It's about the quality of life. But whose quality of life? Our own? Our children's? Our neighbors? If we are salt, that means we have a deep and abiding need to fulfill the needs of our community, and that others' well-being is the concern of our own. Our neighbors, the poor, the mourning, the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the pure, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. Because we care about the now and our future generations and about the development of our culture and social life, you are the salt of the earth. And what I appreciate about the parables and honestly all of scripture is that while we can learn so much from them, and we are reminded about God's values of the kingdom, on some level, it will always seem to elude us. It begs us to ask deeper questions and real, reveals afresh and anew in a given time and in a given place. This is part of the mystery of God, one where we can come close and participate and be engaged and challenged, find purpose and meaning but never quite close enough that it fulfills all of our wonderings and our doubts and our questions. As Richard Rohr states, when we speak of God and things transcendent, all we can do is use metaphors, approximations, and pointers. No language is adequate to describe the holy. 
All our words, beliefs, and rituals are merely fingers pointing to the moon. They are never 100% perfect or right, and this is the necessary and good poverty of all spiritual language. The moon, as we know it, only shines because it reflects the light of the sun. Sometimes it's so big that you can walk outside in the night and you don't even need a porch light to see. Or maybe it's only a sliver as each night more and more of it becomes shaded. And there's some nights you can't see it at all. And the moon is left in complete darkness. But even in its darkness, the only thing that the moon can do is describe itself in relation to the sun. The reflection of light on the moon always tells us about the sun. We all know a little bit about the dark and darkness. It begins as children, and unfortunately those monsters seem to get bigger and scarier as we get older. My four-year-old is going through this right now and sleeps with a very large nightlight and a lamp on in his room every evening. Both cast light into every nook and cranny in his room so that there is no darkness to remain. And sometimes when I'm tucking him in bed at night, I think about Jesus' final words when he said, It is finished, and the veil in the temple was torn in two, and in that moment, light was invited and gracefully entered all the places, all the spaces, all the nooks and crannies where darkness lives. The heartache, the grief, the stress, the anxiety, the sickness, the poverty, the war-torn countries, the overwork, the underpaid, the longing. And the darkness did not overcome it. See, this word for light, it's a divine light, one that has been endowed to us. So in essence, it's a reflection of the source of the light, the truth, and the clarity that's been gifted to each of us, not just for our own benefit. Bonhoeffer writes, Discipleship is as visible as a light in the night, as a mountain in the flatland. As disciples, we are to be an example. We are meant to be seen like the moon. We, too, point back to the source of our light in word and deed and action. And we do this over and over and over again, pointing back to Jesus. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The you, Y-O-U, in today's text is a reference to the disciples, and it is corporate and plural. It's a y'all. It's a reference to the community, the church working together, where we are the ones who must function as the salt and the light. Using Frederick Bruner's terminology, we are the salt shakers and the lighthouses. He also beautifully expresses these imperatives, these statements of facts. They don't tell us who we ought to be or who we should be. They remind us who we are. You are the salt of the earth. 
You are the light of the world. Now, if we aren't too quickly, we will quickly turn salt and light into another metaphor. You know, the one about the hamster on the wheel that never stops. We hear the words good works and may think of a to-do list, checking the boxes, or trying to achieve something that is unattainable. The word used here for good in good works is kalas, and it means beautiful. It's an outward sign of the inward good, worthy and noble character. It's attractively good, good that inspires and motivates others to embrace what is lovely, what is beautiful and praiseworthy. It's beauty by reason of purity of heart and life morally good. It's the same word that's used in the parable of the sower, of the good seed falling on the good soil, or the good vine that produces good fruit, or the parable of the merchant seeking beautiful and good pearls. Friends, we tell these stories so that we remember, so we can remind each other and tell each other over and over again the good news of the gospel. Bonhoeffer writes, help must come from the outside. Christians need other Christians who speak God's word to them. They need them again and again when they become uncertain and disheartened because living by their own resources, they cannot help themselves without cheating themselves out of the truth uncertain and disheartened. I don't know about you, but I still feel that way and as if I'm still coming out of 2020. Yes, I'm still processing 2020. We all are in different ways. We may physically be in 2021, but I am currently stuck in 2020. And in many ways, we have become stuck by fear, anxiety, worry, distance, comfort, uncertainty, and yet again, busyness. In these last 18 months, characterized by space and distance and fear and anxiety, all of our habits as, as a community have become a little jumbled and we are a little out of practice, but still slowly trotting along carefully, watching the world around us. It's forced us to be community in new ways, in creative ways, but it's never stopped us from being the church and who we are. We haven't lost our salt. We haven't lost our light. This word, it's a word of hope. It's a promise of restoration. We have a God who fiercely loves you, who loves humanity, and is always working to reconcile and restore even when we're walking in the dark. We are part of his transformative mission. It's in the way we offer radical hospitality to our neighbor, adding more seats at the table. It's in the way that we worship, letting the Holy Spirit invite people in for a communal experience. How we celebrate the sacraments that give us pause to remember, reflect, and rediscover. It's in our prayer life the way that we individually and communally engage with God. And know our prayers, they don't have to be formulaic. 
And yes, it's okay if your prayer includes your child's pet goldfish and their 15 stuffed animals. And yes, God hears when you, all you can offer is a sigh or a groan too deep for words. It's in the way we seek justice through service, education, and programs that meet the needs of the most vulnerable. It's in our teaching and our preaching, loving God and scripture, studying, learning, while being in a place where we feel like we belong. And then passing what we have learned on to others. It's in our fellowship, authentic, genuine relationships. And Selwyn, I know you know a little bit about that. Fostering relationships because we are a community of faith. We're a community of hope, a community of love, and a community of witness. And generosity, giving things freely and abundantly, a posture of empathy and openness. Salt and light. And I want you all to think with me for a minute. This has kind of helped me to feel a little unstuck. When was a time that you felt most at home? This doesn't mean it has to be a time where you were physically at your house, but when you were somewhere or with someone and you felt welcome and like you just belonged that God had carved out just the right moment and you fit it perfectly. It can be something incredibly simple, coffee with a friend, taking a walk in the park, a service project, a mission trip, meals at a friend's house, pausing to watch the sunset, a time that felt engaging and you suddenly noticed everything around you, like all of a sudden the light came on. How can we feel at home again? How can we make others feel at home? How can we seek others who are least home? You don't have to search far, and we don't actually have to transcend time or cross galaxies or go on an archeological dig. It's innate to who you are, metaphorically and anatomically. As Ariane Len writes, we are made of earth and we are made of heaven. Ash and starlight woven together, salt and light. I see us in our community being creative, reaching out, making connections, re-engaging, reconnecting, and reimagining as sprinkles of salt and shimmers of light. I trust in these glimpses of the kingdom. Arian Len continues, this world is a broken and beautiful place, and a tender, strong God holds us in it. I pray that you find connection and wholeness as you run with elation or crawl on hands and knees through the dark. We will all do both. We won't fully reach the destination, at least not in this life, but God gives us glimpses along the way enough to get us up in the morning and say yes all over again. On we go. Amen.
You all may be seated and we'll continue in prayer. Let us pray. O God of mercy, the earth groans as wildfires rage and hurricanes destroy. We are weary of disaster, O God. We are tense from concern and fear. We feel helpless as we watch each evening's news. Hear us, O God, as we share ourselves, our prayers, our hopes with you. Bless us, O God, with a reverent sense of your presence as we lift these petitions to you. We pray for students newly returned to school. We pray for their curiosity, imagination, and intellect to bloom. We pray that they persevere through every challenge, that they take advantage of their education, that they work hard to develop their emerging skills. We pray also for parents and teachers still navigating the change and pressures brought on by the pandemic. Bless these, we pray, with your wisdom and grace. We pray for our nation and our leaders. In this time of turmoil, come near, holy God, to both judge and save. When we turn from your way, help us to repent and return. May our leaders be led by your wisdom. May they clearly discern your will and seek to follow it. We pray also for those who serve our nation through the military. Keep these, our children, safe. Keep them from being hardened by war. Restore them from injury. Heal them from physical, mental, and spiritual pain. We pray for the suffering all across our globe. We pray for peace to reign in Afghanistan. We pray for mercy for the people of Haiti, for respite from their endless woes, for prosperity for a country desperate to make their way. We pray for all those who must endure violence, destruction, and abuse. Save us, God, from thinking that leads us to believe others' problems are not our own. May we be Christ's salt as healers, sustainers, and helpers. Remind us of our interconnectedness and that the suffering of some is the suffering of all. Mighty and merciful God, we praise you for sending healing and hope through doctors and nurses and researchers who bless us with new technology to serve and save. We claim your promise of wholeness for all who suffer. We glorify you for your constant presence, your help and hope. May your world and all who live in it be renewed through the power of the risen Christ and those committed to being Christ's light in a hurting world, like the temple curtains ripping into, shine your light into every dark crevice on this earth. United as a family of faith and as the body of Christ, we lift these prayers to you, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. And now we pray as your son Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, good friends, we have more to offer than we recognize or realize. God has given us an abundance of gifts, so let us respond faithfully and generously by presenting our tithes and our offerings at this time.
And now we pray together in dedication. Gracious God, everything we have comes from you. You fill us with good things. Our hearts and lives overflow with your abundance. With thanksgiving, we bring to you our time, talents, and tithes. Use these gifts that you have given us to feed others as we have been fed, to serve others as we have been served, and to bless others as we have been blessed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Friends, remember that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of this world. Preserve and sustain yourself and others. Be a beacon in your home, your work, and in the world. And as you journey, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.